0: Judy Nunn is an Australian author and actress known by many of us for her role in Home and Away as Ailsa. Her latest book is Tiger Men, set in Tasmania in the 1850s when ambitious entrepreneurs rapidly built a thriving centre of industry at the expense of the state's natural resources and environment. Judy started writing in the 1980s and her first two books were for younger readers. She switched to adult fiction in the early 90s and her first two books for adults, The Glitter Game and Center Stage, were set in the world of show business. They were instant bestsellers. It wasn't until Judy's role in Home and Away finished in 2000, after 13 years, that she could concentrate on writing full time. She also published the epic Beneath the Southern Cross, a history of Sydney and its inhabitants spanning two 200 years. Other historical novels include Territory, Heritage, Flood Tide, and Maralinga. So thanks for joining us today, Judy. Oh, thank
1: you for having me along, Valerie.
0: So, Judy, tell us about your latest book, Tiger Men. Uh,
1: what did you, uh, uh, tell us about it, did you say?
0: Yes, tell us about yes. it. Where did the idea come from? But also for the people who haven't grabbed, gotten a hold of one yet, tell us a bit about the story.
1: Well uh Tiger Men is based in uh in Tasmania uh and the period that it goes from is the 1850s uh, 1856 virtually when Van Diemen's Land became Tasmania um and it goes through to the end of World War 1 um and it follows three families two generations of three families and then branching into the third generation to come um and the 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 family sort of become interwoven with each other and uh and i i i mainly deal actually with an area that i think fiction writers of fiction haven't really dealt with before most most uh, books about Tassie that you read are, are based around the very dark, brutal uh, convict days, mm. and I—I I, I decided I wanted to concentrate on what I call the the golden era of Tassie, which is when men became extraordinarily wealthy, when the little island known as the Apple Isle actually also became known as the fruit bowl of Europe, uh, with with uh, fruit products, byproducts, jam, etc., selling all over the world, particularly to Europe when, uh, you know, during the roundabout First World War, everything was so depleted. Um, and also, of course, I mean, there were things like, you know, Merino wool, Tassie wool was considered the finest in the world. There were the Tassie timbers, the, the shipbuilding, uh, you you know, the hops industry, one of the first major, um, you know, uh, uh, breweries, uh, Cascade. So there, there was an, an extraordinary industry, and a lot of very, um, very uh, wealthy. Uh, early entrepreneurs, and that's where the title really refers to. Tiger Men refers to those early barons of industry. And Mm -hmm. it's that area that I thought hadn't really been looked into very much in Tassie's history.
0: And what sparked that interest? How did you come to know of this era, and what sparked your imagination about it?
1: Well, funnily enough, a very, very simple little happening sparked my my inspiration for this book. Really that simple. I mean, I was simply being a tourist, wandering around Constitution Dock, at uh, you know the the Hobart docks Mm. Uh, and I've always loved Tassie and I specifically love Hobart always have my husband's Tasmanian and we go to Hobart a lot for Mm -hmm. family reasons and uh, and I was wandering around and this was a number of years ago and I suddenly came upon these terrific plaques uh, you know sort of historical plaques obviously placed there by by the uh, the council city council uh, and I thought these are new. I haven't seen them before. I'm sure. Or if I haven't, then I mean, uh, maybe I just I just hadn't come upon them. But they did appear to be relatively new at that time. Very new, actually. And and I was reading up on them, and they were about the, they referred to the ruthless, um, you know, uh, merchants of Hunter Street. Hunter Street was where all the merchants, you know, and and also Henry Jones, of course, and his IXL Jam Factory, and. uh And Alexander McGregor and his fleet of ships. And and I thought, it suddenly struck me. And that's when I thought that era hasn't been really touched upon. So, I mean, really, it was just plain tourist that that it suddenly hit me. Uh, and then I went away and did all my research, of course, and, and, and it, it hit home doubly. I thought, this is fascinating stuff.
0: And for that research for Tiger Men, where did you go to to get most of your information? Who did you speak to? What kind of archives did you delve into? Uh,
1: there's, there's a great deal of, uh, there's a wealth of material, if you wish to find it, uh, actually, because... Uh, T- Tasmania's uh, history actually has been very well recorded. And the, the Mercury itself is a very old newspaper, but I didn't actually, uh, you know, get much from the archival material uh, from, from Mercury. I, uh, I went to the library, of course, to uh, Hobart Library. A great deal. Got a lot of stuff from there. But there are so many books. There's, there's books written specifically about Henry James, uh, Henry Jones. There's a there's a, a particular book that uh, it's called IXL actually, and I have mean, I put it all in my Bibliography, mm. you know, my sources of research material. Um, I, 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 I could surf the web to a certain extent, but everything that I get from any website has to be verified because, mm. of course, you it can, it can be so caught up. Uh, but I read many books and it, it's very accessible. The Tassie history, actually, as opposed to, for instance, the preceding book that I wrote, Maralinga. Mm. There, there, there was no information you could get anywhere about Maralinga that what that didn't come out of the Matellan Royal Commission. Mm. Uh, it had to be a Royal Commission before you could find any material. But there's no secrets there. It's all out. It's all out there up front.
0: So, with your books, there often a, a sense of place is really prevalent in your books. You've made reference to Maralinga. You've had books set in the Top End, in in the Pacific. Do you do you go and travel to these places? What happens in terms of getting that real sense of place, and of course, researching it?
1: Uh, Yes, I always go always go to where my book is centred most certainly. The only time I've had to tell a bit of a lie and that was when I was doing Heritage and Heritage was based uh, in the Snowy Mountains Mm -hmm. uh, which I had been to uh, several times and I went there specifically on a research trip of course for about a week and when you are researching of course you see a place through different eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got these great receptors out there and I mean you're seeing it in a different period and everything it's Mm -hmm. very exciting Um, but I, I sure I can wander around Kuma and Jindavan and everything, but that, that it wasn't the specific place that was as important as the people that came there and from whence they came and why they came, mm. because the book was actually, although it was about, uh, you know, the the, the reason. They, that I chose that location was, of course, the building of the Snowy Mutton Hydroelectric Scheme mm. uh, in the 50s. But it was the the first seeds sown for, for multiculturalism uh, when the Europeans in that area actually outnumbered the Australians. So it, it, it was a fascinating time. But I wanted to explore where all these people came from. And, and, and what had happened to them during the war or just post-war, mm. you know. So I, I deliberately chose some places that I'd been to, like I'd been to Germany and the Italian Alps and, you know, and all of this. But I hadn't done, for, for reasons, for you know, of the narrative, I had to go to, um, I wanted to go to uh, uh, Buenos Aires mm. to, um, yeah. And I hadn't, I've never been to South America per se, let alone Argentina. Mm and i was actually on location with my husband who was making a, a beer commercial he's an actor author like me mm. and bruce was filming his beer commercial that was being shot outside of Alice springs and i was there with him in Alice springs and i'm sitting there uh, looking out over the todd river and and the red river gums and the macdonald rangers and all this extraordinary centralian uh, you know uh, backdrop mm. and uh, and i'm looking across that dried bed river bed and I'm actually in the Tango Halls of Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny, every time I go to Alice Springs and I look at the dried Todden River bed, I think of Buenos Aires. <laughs> so I had to get that from books and from the net and everything. And that's the only place that, and the book wasn't set there, so I didn't feel, too, but there were two very important chapters that mm. were set there. Uh, and all the other places, I've been to Jerusalem and all of this, but I hadn't been there. And it was so funny to actually be living there in my head and looking out over Alice Springs.
0: Wow, and you managed to capture that on the pages as as well.
1: And, and, And I love it. I love the sections set in Argentina. You'd swear I really knew it. Mm. But that was a total cheat. It's the only time I've done it.
0: <laughs> so, well, no one will ever know until <laughs> no. now. Oh, i just
1: broadcast <laughs> it to the world
0: now. <laughs> okay, so what do you almost use um, your books as, a, as an excuse to go to some of these places? Or how, how do you determine some of the places and some of the destinations? Or does the plot, in fact, or the characters, in fact, determine where those will be? It's,
1: it's a Terrifically loaded question, that one actually, because it's. I mean, I, 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 I might use, for instance, um, the excuse of travel um, as 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 a reason for research. When I don't, I'm actually not plotting anything, but I'm going to say, well, I'm on a research trip now, not just so that I can claim a certain amount of it in tax, which <laughs> which is helpful, but indeed, uh, everywhere I travel, uh, it is going to be fed into that computerised part of the brain that says, wow, I could use this. It mm. may not be for a major plot in a story, but yes, this is where my a character could come from. Mm. This is the background of a character. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So always when I travel, it's sort of, um, oh, yeah, idea for a short story. Um, that's out of the seagull, isn't it? Chekhov, mm. I think it's a, whatever his name is, Tregoran or whatever. And he carries this notebook and he sees a seagull lying on the beach and he takes out his notebook and he says, idea for a short story. So mm. it, I think every author is like that. There is, you're, you're a receptor for yeah. ideas. Um, but I don't... But, but very often in the further part of your loaded question, very often it could be a specific place that is an inspiration. Like in a book I wrote called Territory, Darwin itself was my inspiration. Mm. Um, the, the actual township that was destroyed first by the bombs in, ni- in 1942, uh, the Japanese bombs, and then by Cyclone Tracy in 1974. So within just 32 years, you have the annihilation of a city. So that history of that city itself was my inspiration. But then again with heritage, it wasn't the Snowy Mountains t- townships that mm. were my inspiration. It was the multicultural aspect.
0: Right. So it was
1: actually the happening and sometimes, of course, it will be both.
0: So yeah. out of that then, how do you then develop your plot? Do you let it sit there for a while and then it somehow comes to you and you plot it out, or do you let it emerge as you write? Uh,
1: I, don't, I don't sort of like free fall without a safety net, mm-hmm. um, as it were. But things do unfold in – I am very, very character-led. I mean, my characters will take over. Uh, For instance, I will decide, usually, the period during which the novel will take place. Mm -hmm. I mean, specifically with Tiger Men, I knew that I wanted to go from the time when Van Diemen's Land became Tasmania, because it it made for a different mindset amongst the Tasmanian people. Mm -hmm. It made them think, right, now we will put the convicts staying behind us. Uh, We will move on. We are now, I mean, of course... They were still the people that they were, but it bred, they started thinking along different levels, and I wanted to go to the end of World War I, so I knew. But with some novels, I mean, uh, for instance, with a novel I wrote called Cow, which is based in Kalgoorlie, uh, I, I... I knew when I was going to, to, to start it, um, to virtually just shortly after the discovery of gold, mm. when the Italians poured in because there was no work for them in Italy mm. and their prime minister actually said, look, you know, migrate, get out. They were actually told by this ridiculous government that the Italians are so famous for, you know, go forth. And they did, and, uh, and many of them had been miners working on the railway systems through the Alps, etc. you know. Mm. Uh, and they came out, gold was discovered, and they came out. So there was a big influx of Italian migrants. So I knew when I wanted to start that book, when Paddy Hannon discovered gold in the late 1890s, or 1893, I think. Um, and I, I was going to go right through to open-cut mining. And then I stopped wow. about two generations short. I got to the end of World War I again, mm-hmm. and I thought, no, no, no. When, when the diggers came home from the war... Uh, and the Italians had their jobs, they, there were these race riots in mm. Kalgoorlie. Mm. And I finished with that. Uh, so I actually annihilated two further generations I was <laughs> going to write about. But that was the natural natural culmination of the book.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you – I mean, so, your books are, must be so research-heavy because um, – well, for obvious reasons. Do you do that research all beforehand and then start writing after you've compiled everything, or do you research as you go?
1: I do both, I definitely do both. I research uh, 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 voraciously for about three months. Mm -hmm. Uh, I usually have all of the material I'm going to research from in front of me by Mm -hmm. that time. Uh, I've read most of it. I, I do terrible, brutal things that I never do, used to do to books, but research books are different. I underline them, I text them, I, <laughs> I you know, I mutilate them, <laughs> and I never throw them out. And I have a whole room of mutilated books that are sort of my own history of you know the last twenty-two years. Um, uh, so I do all of that, but of course I can't keep it all in the brain, mm. and I don't. Uh, it would be writing another book to make all the notes. Because as I go through writing Mm. my own novel, I might find... I I don't know to which depth my characters are going to be involved in some specific historical area. Mm. So I am continuously researching, and I think, oh, yes, he'd get very tied up in that. Now, I know I read this here, and Mm. I'll look through my stickers and my notes and find which I have to then research more thoroughly.
0: You seem to have quite a systematic approach, and obviously after having written so many novels now... um, that's not not a surprise. Do you did you find that when you first started writing that you already had that kind of ordered mind to towards the writing process?
1: Um, no, not really. I, I started out actually with the kiss principle, you know, which I don't know if uh, everybody else other than actors but and writers, but you know, the keep it simple, stupid yes. principle. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Good, good. Uh, little phrase but uh, and I stuck to what I know, mm-hmm. uh, and that was i 've been an actor for so many years that uh, I set the first book in television, and it was just a frothy a little satire which I loved, mm-hmm. and it was just two years in the making of this this soap opera, and it was a behind the scenes look at television and it it, it had a you know a little bit of a, a thriller type aspect to it um, and then I set the next book in the theater, but I wanted to broaden my horizons and uh and and explore far more so i had two generations in that uh and i i developed a very very black black dark side that i don't know where it came from (laughs) a character who was absolutely obsessed with death to the point where he wanted to watch death he wanted to create death so it had a very black very dark side um but the actual uh, uh area that you know, other people might have needed to research in. I didn't because I'd been working in the theatre. I knew theatre, mm. you know. Uh, and then the third book was going to be about the movies. I'd promised my publisher who, you know, that I I, I wanted to become, to broaden my horizons far more and learn more and, and raise the bar, et cetera. Mm. So I brought my movie mogul's ancestor out from England in 1850, and settled him in the Barossa Valley, making wine next door to Dr. Penfold. You know, um, and so I had to do a lot of research about the period, about you know oenology, the making of wine, viticulture, etc. And and I, as I researched, and I was daunted by that. I thought, Oh, Judy, what have you done? You know, you can't just keep it simple, stupid here. Um, and I discovered whole things that obviously that I hadn't known. But besides researching to get my facts right, mm. I, I I found it inspiring. So from that moment on, that, that's what led me into writing historically based fiction. Mm. I mean, you know, fiction based in areas and, and, and times that I haven't personally experienced. And that makes for a lot more hard work, but it's also very, very inspiring.
0: And it's also uh, it's a lot of hard work because you do have to get the facts so yes. right, um, but also when you read and I assume when you write historical fiction, these characters become history. These characters become real, yes. <laughs> you know. So it's it's it must be very gratifying. You must feel that these people are these characters are a part of a real landscape.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I tell you what makes that that particular aspect can become really harrowing actually mm. when you're dealing with really harrowing historical facts mm. and I mean this is the third book actually where I have or the story has of necessity by necessity taken me to World War I. Um, and I don't, uh, under no circumstances do I ever pretend to be an historian at all. I write works of fiction, but when you're going to write about things like, you know, uh, a theater of war and mm. uh, particularly a war like the war to end all wars, unquote, mm. uh, you have to get your facts right. You, and you can't just take a shortcut and say, you know, uh, so It's very harrowing. I find it it, immensely harrowing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I am taking my fictional characters and I am placing them in these real situations Mm -hmm. and they are living through these horrific circumstances. Some of them are going to die. Mm -hmm. Some of them are going to be severely mutilated, wounded. Um, And it's very harrowing because I have grown to know these people. Mm -hmm. But it's doubly harrowing because although they are fictional people, this is what was really happening and yes. what was really going on so it's it's yes it's quite a devastating experience to go through actually mm.
0: when you f- when did you first become interested in writing is that something that you liked from when you were a child or did you discover this later in life while you were acting
1: no, no. I wanted to be both. I'm one of those very lucky people who knew exactly what they wanted to be when they were nine going on ten. Right. Uh, when I was nine, I was going to be a writer and I was writing my first book and everything like that. And then I was ten, I changed my mind. I thought, no, I think I'll be an actor. Uh, but I always, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I, I always wanted to do both. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I'm very, very lucky.
0: How, how did you hone your writing skills when you first started out?
1: Um, well, you see, it's a fairly natural progression for actors who've been acting for a very long time. And I did actually, my first professional acting job was when I was 12. Mm -hmm. So that I mean, by the time I was, you know, a teenager, uh, I I was pretty much, you know, experienced as an actor. And I think um, when you've been acting for as long as I had, sort of like, come my 30s, you, it's a fairly natural progression to go into script writing. Mm. So I started writing scripts for, I was writing some radio comedy scripts. I wrote a bit for, uh, I wrote uh, when I was in England, in my 20s actually, uh, I was writing a bit of review for the, the repertory companies that I was working with, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and then uh, I was writing a bit, of, I wrote for a couple of soaps. At one stage, in the early days of Neighbours, I wrote a few, you know, number of episodes for Neighbours, and then another soap called Possession. I wrote on for about a year, uh, so that I was actually, by the time I came to to to, to turn my hand to to narrative, uh, a lot of the skills were already there. Uh, construction, you know a lot actually about construction mm. uh, when when you're, you know, writing for soaps. Funnily enough, I mean, you know, there are a lot of parameters and placed around you know the, the, the soap writers have very very gymnastic minds they have to have uh, i'm glad i didn't stay too long writing in that genre though because mm-hmm. there is a superficiality to it of course but you learn a few tricks and then of course always as an actor uh you're working and uh, with dialogue and characters so yes. yeah i think by the time i got into narrative i was you know Pretty, pretty, pretty. Au fait with various, the various requirements mm, of writing. Mm.
0: So even though now you're a household name in terms of being an author and your your books are constantly bestsellers, you and you've been around for a long time as a writer did you find when you first made that transition that you had any resistance? Because people probably didn't understand that logical progression of your of your writing skills.
1: Oh, yes, there's a, and we do live... Look, this is no complaint at all. It is simply an observation and a comment. We still do live in a, in a tall, poppy country, you know. I mean, we're not like the Americans where we say, oh, my God, look, good on you, buddy. You did it, you did it, you know, you did it. All. We do say, oh, don't get too big for your boots, Mr. So uh, you know let's just cut you down to size uh we still do have that you know you know in our nature i think it goes right back to our convict days and i don't you know <laughs> and all yes. of that uh you know don't don't I, I i thumb my nose at authority you know i mm-hmm. think there's, there's still a lot of that in us um but in any event i don't think it was uh, i was really allowed to wear be too successful with two hats to start <laughs> with so that you know being sort of a bit of a household you know, face mm. from soaps and from series and things. Uh, it was sort of, a, a, a th- first off, the first few books I was, oh, you know that 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 soap actor who writes. You know what I mean? Let's not yeah. take her seriously. Mm. Um, and now, of course, I mean, you know, my books are they do do very well, and and I and I do get some some good notice and and you know and 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 respect uh, coming my way. That uh, I think it's sort of like you know. Oh well, <laughs> we better not cast her. She, she just writes. No, no, actually, that that honestly, I say as a joke because there are very few parts. Thin on the ground for actors of my age, particularly of the female variety. Um, but yeah, there is this Aussie thing that you know don't 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 be too good at too many things. Mm-hmm.
0: You also have written books uh, for young adults. Now, is that a very different process? Do you find it the same process? Do you have to get into a different mindset?
1: It's interesting writing for the what they call the younger adult reader. Yes, it's from you know, 8 to 12 year olds or something because they're very mature at that age. I don't write uh, children's uh, books, novels anymore. I mean, you know, uh, which, and I did, I love doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, well, you know, I now my mindset is on the adult fiction. But I do think in writing for that age of children... Um, that you the difference is probably you have to grab them quickly. Mm. You can't you can't meander into a book and mm. and and I quite like to meander into a book. I don't need to be grabbed by page one. Mm. I just want to amble into it, and I'm quite happy when a writer does that, and I do it myself. Mm. Um, and uh, and and you get to know the characters. you it's, it's not immediately bounding into action or, or or heavy duty relationships or anything like that. You get to know these characters and the streets they're walking and the time. Through which they're walking you can't really do that with kids you have to grab their attention quickly but you don't talk down to them you don't try and use little words if there's big words that you, you know, then they can either look it up they can ask mum or they'll get the gist of it from you know mm. so you don't write down to them but you do need to to garner their attention quickly
0: you described beneath the southern cross as the biggest task i'd ever undertaken as a writer why was that
1: Oh, it's simply uh, funnily enough, it's another dynastic novel. It goes from um, well, actually, uh, prior to to first European settlement, because it goes from when the, the the young man committed the crime in England, for which he is then transported, but he languishes for seven years in in uh, in Norwich jail, um, while you know America is no longer able to be the dumping penal dumping ground for the British, uh, and so the British have to find somewhere else to dump their. Convicts, uh, so you know he's of the first the first lot to be transported, you know, mm-hmm. to to the new colonies in mm-hmm. in the Great South Land, as it were. Um, So it goes from that period right through to the year 2000. Now, that's seven generations of of a family, Mm. uh, which is a big ask. Yes. But funnily enough, I found the generational thing going through the seven generations of one family, I found that easier than in Tiger Tiger Men, for instance, Mm. there are three families. It's only two generations and then the third generation just being created at the end of the book. Mm. It's only two generations, but of three families. So you've got three families that you need to go through these two generations. And then at the end of that, you have these, these young men who go off to World War I and bond together. So that was far more complex indeed. But with Beneath the Southern Cross, uh, I found the generational thing not, not as difficult because it all emanates from one family. Wow. But to go through that period of our history, it's not what you put in, it's what you leave out. You can't cover everything. Mm. Uh, So indeed, one of the effective things, uh, methods, techniques I used, which I thought, I felt rather pleased. I can see the holes in all of my books, honestly. There are holes you can find in every which one. And and the day I ever thought one was spot on and I'd perfected it was the day I should give up, obviously. (laughs) But one thing I am pleased with in Beneath the Southern Cross was I jumped from, and I had all these young people created, uh, uh, there, it, you were interested in them as, as young boys, as young girls uh, during World War I and then at the end of World War I it, 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 I, I went, that, that was the war to end all wars as mm. they said mm. and then suddenly I jumped 20 years and yeah. you have the beginning of World War Two, and these same young people that you, you were interested in as kids are suddenly soldiers and they're mm. going off to fight in another war and the women are saying goodbye to to, to to their husbands, when they 'd said goodbye to their fathers, and do you know what i mean mm. and, and so I was able to jump twenty years with with the absolute ghastliness of you know people losing another generation
0: mm. when you ha- when you create those dynasties and, in fact, just any of your characters, do you fully form them like I assume that you might as an actor when you are, you know, thinking about the different characters that either you're playing or that you're playing with? Do you fully form them before you start writing? Or, again, do you let them emerge?
1: Uh, oh, no, I definitely let them emerge. Ah. Oh. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I I know that that each character that I write, if if basically, look, you know, I'll say to simplify things, you, you're going to have a good guy. Say in Tiger Men, for instance, you have an idealist, an American, Jefferson Brinsley Powell, a good man, a really good man. Then you have, frankly, a really a really bad man, um, a, a bloke called Reginald Stanford, who is absolutely really bad. But what what's, what what made him bad? I've got to find out what made him bad. Nice. Uh, you know, I mean, nobody is out and out evil. Uh, there is, you know, well, okay, well, he can name a few, I suppose, Pol Pot and Hitler, <laughs> you know. Um, but he's, he's not a sociopath. Uh, but he does these terrible things. Mm. Uh, and I think, why? So I'm going to explore that man and find out why. Jefferson Powell is an idealist, but he's, he's you know, he's not Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's got, so he, he actually, he's actually rather naive. And easily taken advantage of. Mm. And you could get cross with him and think, well, come on, get your blinkers off, take a look, be smart. You mm. know? So I like to look at all the shades of grey that a character has.
0: Right. That's interesting because I would have assumed with your background that you might have done the opposite, but um, you, you discover them as you write.
1: Yes. Mm. Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't embark upon them. As, I I know that I'm going to discover them. Yes, I, I'm going to explore them. So it's not really that they lead me that completely by the nose. Yes, uh, but but I'm going to explore them, and 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 suddenly something is going to happen to them. Some something connection with another person. Some some event in mm. their lives that is going to actually bring out. This happened very much with the Reginald character in Tiger Man. Mm. I suddenly thought, I I suddenly actually a couple of times found myself feeling sorry for him when I didn't think I would, Mm, mm, mm. which which is rather interesting. Mm. I don't think my readers will feel sorry for (laughs) him, but I did. I said, I I actually thought, yeah, I can understand that, yeah.
0: You you obviously know him a bit more intimately, maybe. Yes. yes. Uh, What are you working on now?
1: Well, I'm out you know, on tour with, uh, with Tiger Men, yes. which, again, is, is another career in itself, actually, yes. uh, the, the promotional stuff, um, which I, I find very exciting because you're coming out of the long and lonely road of creation and you're actually talking about it and, and people are enthusing with you, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really give you time to sit down and write. But have next, you got you know.
0: something that's in brewing in your head?
1: I, I, I have the vaguest idea and I won't know until I go on my research trip next January. I, <laughs> I am thinking of, uh, well, I, 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 at this stage it will be Queensland and I'll be going to a particular area in Queensland and that will either result in, yes, this is it and off I'll go on the research trip, or I'll think, no, I don't think this is for me, and I'll have to really rethink, and I don't want to have to do that. So I'm (laughs) looking forward to the Queensland trip.
0: Wonderful. And finally, what's your advice to people who haven't even written or haven't even gotten their first novel published yet? What's your advice to them on um, what they can do to improve their writing but also to get published?
1: Oh dear getting published is always um, it's a difficult question to answer um, uh it don't don 't present a publisher for starters, with a whopping great manuscript. Mm-hmm. Uh, present them with an opening chapter mm-hmm. and, a, and a breakdown uh, of 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 the idea of the book and that sort of thing something that will grab them and you know uh, also it is best to see if you can and, and and the attack would be the same trying to get a literary agent. Mm-hmm. It is best to go via a literary agent if you 're going to Directly to publishing houses um, i don 't know of any shortcuts there 's self publishing which I know nothing about I've never self-published. Um, but i 've never self published but i think I think the idea is um, it, i mean don 't give up there are too many writers that that um, have proven that, you know, re- rejections in the ultimate, in the end of the scheme of things uh, can amount to nothing. I mean, look at how many, I think wasn't J.K. Rowling, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and our own, um, you know, uh, Matt Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, he was rejected so many times he ended up self-publishing and look at him, you know, mm-hmm. the most successful writer in Australia, really, as far as sales go, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a sort of, you know, don't give up.
0: And also to improve their writing...
1: Uh, read, read other writers. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot from reading other writers, um, and um, well, there there are creative writing courses, of course, mm-hmm. but I, I'd be very um, I, I I would want to be very wary about who was taking them. Mm-hmm. They've got they'd have to be they'd have to be good ones. I mean, you know, um, but uh, but I know some people who have discovered great great joy and great uh, fulfilment through creative writing courses, but I, I would want to have the right tutor. Um, but certainly read and read, 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 uh, read good writers. It's, it's an excellent way to go.
0: Absolutely. Read, read, read and write, write, write.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and on that note, thank you very much for your time today, Judy. Oh,
1: thank you, Valerie. It was fun.
0: ValerieKoo.com. That's ValerieKoo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.